Hi everybody, this is the Fat and Weak Podcast, and I'm Russell. And I'm Daniel. And uh, we're just happy to be here with you this morning. And we wanted to, over the next uh, few episodes, dedicate each, uh, each podcast episode to a particular um, element of getting healthy. And so we kind of come up with this idea because I was um, ran across the quote from The Art of War, the book uh, by Sun Tzu. Um, and it says, uh, if you know the enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles, right? And I was like, you know, if we're going to get healthy, we to have the right strategy, to put up the right defenses, to gather the right resources, we really need to know our enemy. We need to know what the enemy's abilities are, where it comes from, how it operates, so that we can put the systems in place that are going to best support us. Yeah. Does that make sense? And so um, over the next few weeks, we'll probably talk about salt and fat and just other macro things like that. But today we thought we would just start with sugar. Um, so tell me what's your relationship like with sugar? My relationship with sugar, I used to think I wasn't that um, addicted to it or that um, enthralled with it because I didn't... I'm not a person known for a sweet tooth. Okay. I'm more of a person known for salt and like chips and that crunchy feeling. And I'm not really into the whole candy bar, um, kisses. Not even much cake and ice cream type stuff. You're, you'd rather have a bag of chips than a bowl of ice cream probably. And then what I forget is that 99% of all chips are doused <laughs> with sugar. And, yeah. and barbecue sauce has a whole bunch of sugar in it and... Right, because you're definitely big on your sauces. And uh, what we've realized is the better it tastes, the more sugar is probably involved. And like with soda, there's so much sugar in soda, it's almost kind of crazy how much sugar is in soda. Yeah, I've read one thing said up to 23, depending on which soda you drink, up to 23 spoonfuls of sugar um, per can. Um, and so some are less, some, you know, but that's up to that much. That's, that's a crazy amount of sugar. Um, and so uh, in dealing with the keto diet that we've been focusing on, um, you know, when you talk about keto diet being somewhere around 50 grams of carbohydrates or less, you can blow that up with uh, just the sauces you dip your meat in or yeah. a salad dressing or yeah one non-water drink for the day now i know you drink a lot of you make your own iced tea and uh, you've weaned it back so much that you've only got about a cup of sugar in an entire gallon um, so i think you did the math on that do you remember what the math was on like uh, when you have a glass of the tea you make how much sugar you're getting um i'm getting I'm only putting in 12, not 12, because that's a full, so like nine teaspoons of sugar. In? A th or three-fourth cup. I think three-fourths cup is I'm putting oh, in. Oh, for the whole gallon? You're down to three-fourths now? Yeah, I don't even put a, I, I want to get back to just one, Just, okay. Um, one, two-fourths, it'd be nice to get down to like just a half a cup. But right now I'm at three-fourths, and that... That 
I think I don't I don't know if I could go any lower because when I go any lower it, it tastes like it just doesn't taste good. It tastes like brown water. <laughs> well, and the longer you uh, stay at the three quarters, the uh, from what I'm understanding, your body and taste buds and everything will adjust to where that will seem sweet, and then it won't be such a a, a big leap when you drop to half. Yeah, I noticed I noticed that when um because I've been drinking a tea quite a bit. And I only have soda like maybe twice a week, and it's it becomes overwhelming sometimes drinking soda because it's so sugary. Yeah, I've I found I've, I feel better because um, for the last couple of weeks I've been just drinking water mostly, other than my coffee in the morning. And uh, I was putting the Crystal Light in my water, and that's what for the last year or more it was a zero calorie. Um, flavored but um, in the last couple weeks I've even stopped doing that and just doing just water and I keep a gallon jug of water next to my desk and I just keep refilling until my ice is gone and I go get more ice and and I'm fine I I feel better and I'm not I'm not sure what the difference is between uh, I'm not sure what just a non-sugared powder does to the water to make it not water That was my excuse. Like it's exactly like drinking water because there's no calories or anything in this. But, but there is. It does alter it at some point um, because I do feel better on just the plain water. And sometimes once you start drinking water a lot, it tastes a lot better. Yeah. So yeah, there are times when there is nothing better than just water. Yeah, and I've learned that the best water I I like is when it's not as acidy as. Other waters, like tap water, is apparently supposed to be like really, really acidy. And then you go to like um, a good bottled water or something. Good bottled water, and you're like, this tastes really, really, yeah, really good. It is crazy how you can run a range of taste just in water. You think water is water, but no, water is also the accumulation of whatever it ran through or it was stored in, right? So if it's running through your pipes, then it's got a certain taste that's going to come from those pipes, yeah. right? So. Uh, I know exactly what you're saying. I know people that all they do is drink their tap water, and they think they have great tap water. And then when I drink their tap water, I'm like, ew. <laughs> yeah, give me some bottled water. But uh, the point is, is, is water is really, um, and I guess we should probably do a whole episode just on water as one of our macros too, because there's so many benefits to that. And I think another one we could do a whole episode on is just sleep and getting enough rest. But um for today, we wanted to talk about sugar, and and like I said, from the art of war, you know, uh, if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. Because if you know what it's going to do, and you know what you're capable of, and have trained to do it, then you don't have to fear the the cake or the candy bar that crosses your path, because you'll already have anticipate that and made the plan to avoid being sabotaged. I think we um, we do okay when we're fully focused, but when we lose focus, get tired or distracted, we will, we're easily overcome by our sugar enemy. It's like if it's there, we got it half eaten before we realize, oh darn, I wasn't gonna eat that. Yeah, right. <laughs> or or it, just, it just takes um, one thing throughout the day to justifying um, not starting the diet today. 
Like if you wake up and you miss your breakfast and you're like, oh, I woke up too late. So now... I had to grab a muffin instead of eating the keto breakfast I had planned. Yeah, because it, it takes too long to make it or something yeah. like that. Where you skip it, which causes you to binge later because you got too hungry. Yeah, that, that's my biggest thing is that I, I put off making it and then I get super hungry. Then I just binge on something. And I try to binge on something that isn't going to be a lot of calories, but it's still binging. It's not good for you. Yeah. Well, one of the uh, one of the things that said in a previous podcast is setting up your environment, and so part of setting up the environment for success is you know uh, while working I'm listening to podcasts and stuff anyway, so I've kind of made it um, a daily routine to at least watch or listen to um, about an hour's worth a day of something that supports the healthy mindset. And so I've got some different YouTubers and podcasts that just keep me motivated. They're educating me all the time on diet type things. They're sharing success stories and uh, those kind of things so that it's on my mind that it keeps me, uh, it gives me that little bit of an edge to overcome a temptation because I just listened to this powerful story or something. And uh, so I've been doing that kind of with sugar. And man, if you if you just go to YouTube and, and put in the search term, you know, bad sugar or something like that there's a lot of good videos and information some are fun and short and some are long and and uh like from universities and stuff but um all of them kind of paint the same picture we're consuming way too much sugar um i read that the average now is up to uh somewhere around 150 pounds a year per person yeah, that's what I that's what I have here is that in seventeen seventy six only four four pound average person was only giving four pounds of sugar. Four pounds a year. And in nineteen fifty they were getting twenty pounds a per person. And this isn't yeah. a year, this is a day. No, this would be a year. Uh, it would be. Are you are you sure? Because I, I You're not gonna eat twenty pounds of sugar in one day. Okay. Well this said... Uh, in, in the 1994, 120 pounds of sugar per person. Yeah, per year. And then um, today it's 160 pounds a person. Yeah. So, yeah, so you think of that. 106. So basically, you're eating a pound of sugar about every other day or a little more. So, you know, uh, a f- almost half a pound of sugar a day in some cases. And, and you're talking averages. So people like us are on the high side of that scale, above the average. Yeah, because one pound of sugar is two cups. Okay. So let's see, one pound of sugar is two cups. Okay. Yeah, so so that means a cup of sugar. We're consuming, on average, Americans are consuming a half a cup or one cup of sugar. No, what what was the math? So half a pound every what did I say every two days mm-hmm. so yeah half cup to a cup of sugar a day just and it's not that we're putting that in our stuff um, what I found it's it's probably uh, maybe your research did this too but it seems like the bulk of that the high percentage of that is coming in our drinks yeah it's mostly coming from um, we're, soda we're drinking our calories instead of eating them right and unfortunately the problem is with drinking calories 
Um, you usually don't get all the other vitamins, minerals, and fiber and stuff that comes from eating your calories. So at least when you eat something that has sugar in it, it typically has other things in it that get, that have vitamin minerals, and there's at least a, 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 a few grams of fiber that counteracts some of that carbohydrate load. But when you're drinking a soda or something, there's nothing. It's just pure sugar, nothing health-wise at all, nothing that helps you. It's it's literally what the scientists would say is is a is a poison, and uh, if you and so we've gotten to the point as Americans that if you make poison taste good, we'll eat it. Yeah. Right. If it tastes good and it's a poison that isn't going to kill us right away, we'll take our chances with it. Right. And so uh, that when we say that it sounds ridiculous, but then we live it day to day. That's how our actions actually play out and it reminds me of uh, I don't know if you know who Jamie Oliver is he was on TV for a long time trying to uh, help school districts and stuff across the nation have healthier food and so he would take groups of students and he would show them how certain things that they love are made with the hopes of disgusting them out to where they'll eat better and so he got all these kids together and he showed them how chicken nuggets are made and so he got all these gross parts and he put them in a blender and put this like pink sauce in there and all this stuff. And every ingredient he put in the blender, the kids are like, ooh, yuck, right? And he blends it together and it's like this paste and he forms it in these little patties and they're like, ooh, disgusting. And then he puts them in the oven, bakes them, breads them, breads them and bakes them, pulls them out of the oven and says, who wants one? And every hand went up. Even though they said every step of the process was disgusting, the finished product smelled and looked good and they wanted to eat it. That's and he crazy. was just his he was just blown away like wow. <laughs> you know, it's, it's literally garbage that you recognized for every step of the way, but because at the end it looks and smells good, you want as many as you can get. And we do that. We have all this knowledge. We got all these videos. We're surrounded with as much knowledge and evidence and research as we want to deep dive in. So it's not an education problem. Yeah. It's an application problem, right? Um, now we know from sugar, and we've mentioned this before for other things, what we're fighting is an addiction mentality, right? And when you eat these kind of things, they trigger um, things in your brain that make it even harder to say no to them the next time. Because your body will get your body and your brain and your will get dependent upon the process that happens with the dopamine and and uh, serotonin and all these uh, different hormones that get released. And some of them say sugar um, is uh, like when you drink a soda, you get some of the same uh, chemical process happen as when an addict takes a snort of cocaine. You get the same, and just yeah, like that's the, highly addictive, so is the sugar. Yeah, I've heard that a lot in what I've watched on YouTube is that um, sugar can be almost as addictive as cocaine because it hits the same dopamine receptors in your brain. Yeah. And you have the same effect. It has the same effect on you as cocaine would. Yeah. Um, so apparently white stuff isn't that good. Yeah, so, yeah, if it's white and it's powder... Uh, just say, drop the chalupa and back away. <laughs> yeah. So um, go ahead. Uh, you wrote down some things that you learned when studying sugar. And so let's uh, take those one by one and see what you got there. Um, apparently, 
Um, which I looked up and made sure that America is eats more sugar than any other country. I've heard that. Yes. Yeah. And and then like Coke, Coke, um, eating four cokes, uh, drinking four eight ounce Coke, um, Coke drinks would equal your limit for the day of sugar. Okay, so four eight ounce, and I don't know anybody that drinks eight ounce sodas. Yeah, it's, so you're talking thirty two ounces a day is already taken up your entire allowance of sugar. That means you can't eat anything else the rest of the day, or you'll be over your sugar limit. Yeah, and what's what what I learned that's like super super crazy is that when when you take in sugar in and it goes to your bloodstream and all that. And if it's really bad for diabetics because we don't have the insulin to um, keep... To let it, get it out of the bloodstream into our cells. Yeah, to keep yeah. it out of the bloodstream. But apparently, um, it's kind of like the, or, the organic way of um, um, rusting our, our blood yeah. vessels. Yeah, we oxidize. Yeah. yeah, so like I didn't know that organic matter, matter could rust like yeah. I thought metal could and all these other types of metal could rust but apparently even um, a living organism can rust because apparently when you have sugar in your um, in there it messes with your iron in your blood and causes causes it to oxidize right and so and when and when it oxidizes it it's pretty much like latching to the um, the vessel a blood yeah. vessel and the capillary, yeah, the the small capillary, capillaries, because ah, it does that try trying to heal it because of the sugar coming in and right, like slashing your um, like little razor blades cutting everything up, and so yeah. it oxidizes it trying to heal it, but really it just um, causing a um, clog, right? And what I found is as the when it oxidizes, it also hardens. And when it hardens, that causes blood vessels and stuff to start cracking and bleeding. And then your body's natural defense to um, those, those things is to create things like cholesterol and stuff to plug those holes, those cracks. And so it's just leading you down this road of, of and that's why it starts to accumulate first in the very smallest blood vessels. That's why diabetics first start seeing the problems in their lower extremities and toes and in their eyeballs and their, you know eyesight and that kind of stuff and then to the bigger things later on but that's where you'll first see it because it's like you running something thick down a, a, a large pipe to a smaller pipe to a smaller pipe at some point it's going to get to the smallest pipe and not be able to fit and it's going to clog it yeah and that's what's happening and as we go down to our toes and our eyeballs those are the smallest air smallest pipes in our body basically and so they get plugged first and we start losing um, our sensation in our legs and get neuropathy you, you see start getting uh, your eyeballs start to clog not getting the blood they need they start to harden you start losing your vision um, changing your your prescription of your eyeglasses and all those things so yeah, it's very, it's a very dangerous thing, sugar. Now, now normally, like you said, when um, when you eat sugar, sugar's sugar's not bad. It, too much sugar is bad, right? So the, your body is built to pro, to process a certain amount of sugar, and it's great for quick energy, right? So we have a couple energy sources, you know, either uh, 
sh carbohydrates and sugars or fat and you got your long-term long-burning energy and you got your short-term energy yeah. and right so the sugar we need that and insulin's there to help it get to where it needs to go yeah because our, our body is built to try to find the most um, dense calorie thing to burn because if it's dense than calorie it, it thinks that it has more time to burn it but sugar just because it, ha it has so dense in calorie and energy but it's burned really quickly so we have to eat more of it but it's right. also a lot of calories so we get fat off of it right and because it can only uh, use so much at a time and so what's not used immediately is stored mm -hmm. and then fat. your body only has the capacity to store at such a rate so if you're now you know so if you're doing you know 20 pounds a year of sugar you're probably handling it pretty well especially if you're even active a little bit you're burning that off some of it's being stored as a little bit of you know fat you might get what they call the dad bod but you're not obese right but when you start getting up to 100 pounds of sugar, all of a sudden it's like, okay, the first process is getting in your cells for use. Okay, we did that. We've still got truckloads of sugar left. Well, let's store some. And so it does the maximum storage it can, and that's when you gain rapid weight. But then it's like, okay, even as fast as we're storing it, it's, we got truckloads more of this stuff coming in. And so the rest just stays in your bloodstream, right? Yeah. And so when it's in your bloodstream doing it once, it just goes to all these places that we just talked about and clogs them up and messes them up and oxidizes. Now, oxidation, a simple illustration of that is um, take a bite out of an apple and leave it on the table for a couple hours and you come back and the nice white part of the inside of the apple is now brown. That's oxidation. That's what happens um, with in our bodies when we have sugar floating through that kind of uh, deterioration process starts in our body and it causes all kinds of problems right and then we get diabetes and the problem is uh, insulin is great and the pancreas you know you get a certain amount of sugar it releases a certain amount it lets it in the cells you burn it off as energy and you go about your way but the more sugar you have the more your pancreas is just pumping pumping insulin and what's uh the bad thing is, is the pancreas will burn itself out. So if it starts pumping, it's like, you know, you sit there and rev an engine with the, to the floor, you're going to burn that engine down. No matter how good oil and stuff you got in it, at some point, it's, it's going to overheat and burn down. And that's what we do with our pancreases. And when our pancreas starts burning out, it starts doing less and less insulin over time to where more and more sugars getting put in our bloodstream instead of in our cells and stored away. Yeah, and I and what when I learned about this, they kept on saying oxidation oxidation is like inflammation on your cells, right? Vessels. And I always I always heard that sugar can cause a lot of inflammation, but I didn't know how. Like with so it was really cool learning about this that that there's other types of sugar that will not cause the oxidation or cause it less because um, it doesn't have the high inflammation in it yeah. to cause that. And I found that date sugar is the best for low oxidation. I don't know oh, if okay. you that. Date sugar. Yeah, and I don't think too many people use date sugar for for much, but maybe we got to look at that. And ag agua um, nectar is probably mm. is the worst. Okay. The worst, so don't use agua nectar. Or fruit toast. Corn syrup is the second word. Oh, yeah. Fructose corn syrup. Now, 
there is an invention that it, we could have done without. And it seems the more liquid it is, the worse it is. Yeah. That's so, what I kind of noticed on the scale they were showing me. Because you had sugar uh, um, and it wasn't, it has, the, it's not liquid. And then it kept on going, everything turned to liquid. And it's like, okay, it seems like there's a, um, yeah. um, a correlation with it being more liquid. Yeah, what's interesting is if you look at the charts going back several years, you can kind of see where different health crises began in America. Um, obesity rates, diabetes rates, and everything. What's interesting um, is one of the huge changes in statistics where it just completely jumped um, was in the 60s um, with the bringing to the market high fructose corn syrup. And what's interesting, there's a political side to that in that um, uh, from what I understand is, is when Nixon was president, um, there was a kind of a nationwide food shortage. There was high food prices and there was a, a lot of discussion. All the, every, anytime he had interviews or whatever while he's running for president and after president, everybody was asking about food. And he's like, OK, I'm done with this. I don't ever want to have to talk about food anymore. Let's get food off the political table because it's killing me. Right. So I'm the answer for it. And during that, his administration, they came up with this high fructose corn syrup that started being injected in everything. And so uh, the mandate was to lower the prices of food. That was the big thing. Got to lower it. And so every, high fructose corn syrup was cheap. It was a lot cheaper than the other forms of sugar being used. And so companies started loading their stuff with this low priced sugar, um, high fructose corn syrup, and uh, so that they could lower the price of food. But the problem is, is people were buying food now that had this very bad for you source of sugar in it. And we, because it was so sweet and it tasted good and it made bad things taste better, um, people started eating more. It was cheaper, so they ate more and they had more of this bad uh, sugar form than ever before. And you can see the spikes when we look back that it completely spiked. We were at this gradual growth of obesity in the country, then all of a sudden it just tripled. Um, right after high fructose corn syrup hit the market and started being pumped in everything, right? Um, and then uh, what's interesting, just on a side note, what's interesting is um, you've heard of Gatorade, right? Well, I guess when Gatorade was was originally created, it, you know, for athletes to refill their electrolytes, and this for um, it tasted like garbage. Nobody, nobody in their right mind would drink it as a leisure drink. Um, and uh, so I can't remember if it's Coke or Pepsi, but one of them bought Gatorade yeah. when it because it just became the, it was associated, I believe, with uh, uh, maybe the Florida Gators uh, football team and stuff. But anyway, it was popular. It seemed like you know cool, and so they bought the brand. But they're like, how are we going to make this thing more uh, palatable? How are we going to get people to actually drink this stuff? And so what they did after they took over the brand is they pumped it full of high fructose corn syrup. And so now it's no longer a drink that's healthy for athletes because once they did that, who stopped drinking it? Athletes. Athletes. Who started drinking it? Chubby little kids that didn't need 
all that corn syrup and salt. Yeah, and it's mar- and it was marketed as healthy. Yeah, and it was probably just as unhealthy as well. And some, and because the bottles were bigger, and you would, you know, have you done this? Have you drank a whole bottle of something and looked on the label and it said it was two and a half servings? Yeah, and you're like, yeah, no. Yeah, I've learned that companies do that. Like, if they want to make it seem lower, like um, Oreos, they're like two, two cookies are like 150 calories. And yeah, the whole there's like maybe probably 30 cookies. Yeah, there's like usually in a thing there's like three sleeves of cookies, and you're thinking a serving, yeah, okay, a serving's probably not a bag, but maybe each sleeve is a serving. No, each sleeve is like nine servings yeah, it's like so there's you know 36 servings in this bag of cookies and so you and, and what's funny is on the label in big letters it'll say 100 calories then in a little little tiny it'll say per two cookie serving <laughs> you know and so you're like you're just sitting there popping these cookies for half an hour with a half, half gallon of milk thinking that with this hundred calorie figure in your brain you know it's not probably right but it's at least justifying it and you just so you just avoid reading the labels, right? So one of the things we're taught when we want to get healthy is become a label ninja, right? You don't nothing goes into your mouth until you completely understand and have made a conscious choice to consume it, regardless of what's on the label. You know what you're doing, but that's what that's the last thing we want to know. Yeah. You know, you know, we'll eat it first, and then we'll go look. So <laughs> what are what are some things you found to um, counteract sugar? Well, drinking water. Um, I, I think if if most of our unhealthy sugars come in the form of a drink, I think one of the most healthy things you can do is just decide I'm not going to drink calories, right? If I'm going to be on a 1800 calorie diet or whatever, I want it to come through food. So um, and it's so easy to get three or four hundred calories in a drink that does nothing for you. And then now you can only eat 12 or 1600 calories for the day and you're hungry. And so I think um, no, that's I, one is the drink. Uh, Go ahead. I found out that, um, so let's say you have a, like we're diabetic and you have a sh- sugar spike. One of the things I said you can do is you can eat vinegar. Take a shot of vinegar. Vinegar, apple cider vinegar. Apple, oh man, that's that and stuff's so nasty. If, if just... The idea of having to do that should make you want to quit sugar so you don't ever have to do that. So apparently if you drink vinegar and you have a, a sugar spike, it will lower your sugar spike pretty sugar spike quickly. Quickly. Yeah, along with your will to live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know some people that do uh, apple cider vinegar uh, daily. They just just part of their routine and I've, I've tried it. Um, I've tried it with other stuff in it like spices and cayenne pepper and different things and and uh, there's supposed to be all these health benefits but man it's it's a tough ritual to do as a daily practice i don't think so i think it's easier to um, drink something nasty than to eat something nasty yeah you can kind of plug your nose swallow wait a few seconds and then breathe and half the aftertaste is gone that, by then kind of like medicine that's what half the people that drink alcohol do yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's like yeah, if you're drink, drinking to get drunk and you don't care about you know, enjoying anything, yeah, you just do a, do it with a shot chaser and hold your breath so that you can get past all that nastiness to get to where the buzz you're seeking. But, yeah, if you got to do that stuff, you're not really, it's not really about enjoying life. It's more about escaping life. 
Yeah. You know, and that's not part of getting healthy. And then, and then what I also found about counteracting sugar is a big thing to do is to eat a lot of protein. They say protein and fibers. Yeah, I was going to say fiber was going to be my next tip. Because they say fi- fiber and protein make it where it's, it it takes a long time to um, to turn into energy, and so it it makes you full a long period of time, and it's it counteracts the sugar cra- cravings yeah. you want. Well, what's good about well protein it stabilizes your insulin too. And so the problem with yo-yo insulin spikes and stuff is that triggers cravings. And uh, you can you gain weight with a lot of spikes in that. So Yeah, you were telling me that when someone spikes, um, when, after they eat something, they're, they're done. They hit their spike. They they're hit their high, I guess. Yeah. And so when they come back down, they're like, oh, I have to eat something now because I'm feeling horrible. And they eat something, and it, it, the spike. Yeah, goes. it's just complete anxiety-inducing roller coaster. But you, you, when you bring in fiber and protein in a balanced meal, um, it bring it makes the insulin spike lower, and the drop uh, drop a lot slower. So you get this nice even um, up, and then slow down instead of this just like triangle, sharp point peak and back down. And so, you know, and I think that's kind of where, you know, three meals a day kind of came in. There's not a whole lot of science that says you have to eat three meals a day. You know, intuitive eating is much better where you listen to your body and you eat when it really needs something. But part of the idea of three meals a day was if you eat a balanced meal three times a day, then these little levels of insulin will overlap each other and you'll stay pretty balanced all day long. Right, you won't have these. You won't have a spike and then back down and then a basement for a couple hours before you spike again. It'll just stay kind of level and up and consistent, which is better for um, weight loss and energy and, and and against depression and a lot of things um, when you do that. Now, so my other tip, you know, first make sure you're drinking, the, you know, the eight to ten glasses of pure water a day. Um, make the resolve that I'm not going to drink my calories. And whenever I have a carb or a sugar, which is a carb, uh, make sure it's part it's partnered you know with protein, but also with fiber. One good thing about all that extra stuff that's in your bloodstream and throughout your body that your body can't do anything with, the more fiber you have, the fiber sweeps through like a little broom. It collects these kind of things, and when it leaves your body, it takes these things with them. It takes toxins with it. It takes all this stuff. Now, what's interesting about fiber, and we can talk about this on another show, but uh, hundreds of years ago, the average person ate between 100 and 300 grams of fiber per day. You know what the average is today? I don't know, like 10? 12. 12? Wow. Yeah, that's, that's average. So people like us that are not healthy are not, probably not even getting 12 a day. Right, because yeah, uh, I know when I, when I was in the nursing home, the biggest thing they would push is water and fiber. Yeah, power pudding. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was all fiber. Yeah, and so when you're uh, um, the the bad thing is, or the good thing is, years ago when they were eating a lot of fiber, they were also very active and drank pretty much just water, and so they were very healthy. The problem is when you have a lots of fiber, but you're not drinking water and you're not active. 
right? Then you kind of get that whole bloated, sick feeling, like too much fiber, right? Constipation, all those things that are negative. And so it's like, it, it's really, there, there's no one thing you can do to get healthy. You really got to put the, all the pieces together. It's like buying a hundred piece puzzle and then just picking one random piece out, hanging on your wall as a picture. You know, nobody's going to enjoy that. You've got to put the pieces together so you know what the picture is. Yeah. And you can enjoy the whole thing. And that's how this whole getting healthy. Even though we do a deep dive on sugar once and then fiber, there's no one and done. Right. If we're going to know our enemy, uh, we got to realize our enemy is much more complicated than one little simple thing. So if there's a late night infomercial or too good to be true label on some diet drink, you know, this is the magic bullet. Uh, run, because all it's going to do is lighten your your checkbook. Yeah, you know what I think is funny because I see all these ads. And this is totally off off subject, but have you have you seen those commercials of? Um, then putting this thing on their stomach, and it says it's gonna give, give them abs. And oh yeah, a little electronic pulse thing. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I doubt, I doubt that's the thing that actually gives you abs. Yeah, it may and, help, but it doesn't. Well, and when you're an ultra athlete and you already have abs, you can do those kind of things to get that one percent advantage. But when you're carrying 400 pounds, that's not gonna do anything for you. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like uh, um, it's kind of like you got carrying a bag of water, and the bag's got ten holes in it, and you so you plug one and think you got you're saving water. No, no. <laughs> Doing this one little thing is until you take care of the major problems, this one leak that you're focusing on isn't going to help. Right. There's a bigger problem. You've got 10 holes that are leaking water everywhere. So focusing on, oh, I plugged one, I must be doing, I'm making progress. No. So avoid all that little stuff that focuses on the one hole, right? And create a system that focuses on the entire problem. You know, we tend to want to put a Band-Aid on a chainsaw wound, yeah. right? Instead of going back and getting the work done, the painful, uncomfortable work done, so that we can go on in the future living the life we want to live, right? But we can spend our whole life complaining about the way it is and doing these little micro um, interventions to make us feel good for a moment or feel like we're and get a slap on the back of, hey, you're trying, it's good, you know, for a couple Facebook posts and likes, but never change our life. Or we can just say, you know what, I'm going to treat this like a child, like if my baby had cancer, you know, nothing else is important. Nothing else is a priority. This is, I'm all in on this and I'm going to get it taken care of once and for all so I can live my life the way it was meant to be lived, right? And so, and so we're, like I said, we're talking about sugar today, but you know, it's, you gotta, you, you gotta educate yourself you, and then you gotta act upon the education. That's the problem is we're not, you know, there was a time when people were suffered because they didn't have the information. You know, you'd have to wait for that encyclopedia salesman to come around the next time to sell you the next volume of encyclopedia. Your knowledge was limited by the people that, you know, sat out on the front porch of the local gas station that you talked to when you went to fill up every couple of weeks. Now we carry supercomputers in our pockets. So information is not the problem. Now, finding the truth amidst all the opinions out there is a challenge and that takes a skill. Sometimes finding the right information today is like trying to find a sandwich in a dumpster. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like sometimes you just give up. 
or you end up eating anything and not really being, you know, knowing what's good or what's bad and you're just bouncing around from opinion to opinion. And when it comes to the diet industry, one of the biggest money spending industries on the planet, um, you can't just trust any fly-by-night opinion. I mean, don't even trust what we're saying right now. Who are we? You know, between the two of us, we weigh over 700 pounds and we're both diabetic. You know, and I've been drinking water for two weeks. I'm no expert. But if you'll spend some time on, online, um, you will know, you will find some truth. And uh, then the, power, the thing is, is do you have a big enough why? Uh, do you have a big enough... Um, want to. Want to, reason, whatever, right. to put some action. Because what's interesting is throughout the world, there's a multitude of different eating styles and there's healthy people found in every one of them and there's sick people found in every one of them right and so we spend a whole lot of time thinking this is the right diet no this is the right diet well you know what there there's people in the other part of the country that are eating nothing but fish and rice and they're healthy and there's people in the other part of the country eating nothing but steak and potatoes and they're healthy and there's people that are vegans that are healthy and there's people that are nothing but meat and they're healthy. But in every one of those categories, there's people that are sick and obese as well. So we need to understand that um, it's not a uh, these one and done styles. It's the part of it is part of that saying of when we know our enemy and ourself, right? We got to know ourselves enough to know what works for us. You know, it's not a template for every person. Those are just guidelines on averages. And uh, so we need to stick with this enough to go, okay, what works for us? So I follow a guy, I'm sorry, I'm doing all the talking, but I follow a guy on, on that does um, blood sugar comparisons and he'll, so he'll do a blood sugar comparison of a banana. And then a few hours later, he'll do another one with a chocolate bar and then show you how his, you know, what his insulin number was prior to eating the banana, um, 30 minutes after eating it and two hours after, and then do that with the chocolate bar. And then he'll have his wife do it and her spikes are completely different, right? So you can say, oh, everybody needs to eat this amount of sugar or uh, keto is 50 grams. Well, keto, some people might go into keto at 70 grams. Other people might not drop into ketosis until they're down to 30 grams. Right, so those are just guidelines and we need to put in the work to find out what's going to work personally for us, keep a journal about it, and treat this with the seriousness that it deserves because you and your loved ones and the world deserves to have you around and functioning uh, in a value-based way long in, you know, late into um, your years, your 80s, your 90s. You can be productive if you'll take this serious. Yeah. So this has been the, it's about 43 minutes we're in. All right. So did we say everything we wanted to say about sugar? Yeah. Is that, so did, you, did we get through your list? Yeah. All right. So let me summarize it this way. Do your own research. However, um, some of the big takeaways. Don't drink your calories. Make sure anytime you have a carbohydrate, it's paired with a good protein. Um, and up your fiber game. But remember, if you up your fiber game, you've got to up your water game and go out there and do some walking and stuff. 
um, and get some activity going. And just those alone, you know, those that are like, I'm not going to do this deep dive, fine. Replace all your drinks with water. Up, double your your fiber, fiber, and don't ever eat a carb that doesn't also have a protein with it. And uh, you will make a lot of progress just right there. So, yes, this has been the Fat and Weak Podcast, and I'm Russell. And I'm Daniel. And we will catch you next time. Happy eating. <laughs>